Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. All right, the title of today's deal is Love Story. And I'm going to read you some interesting quotes. I've got a bunch of these quotes, but I've tried to pick some that were appropriate for this occasion here today. These are love and marriage quotes, and I'll tell you who said them. I recently read that love is entirely a matter of chemistry. That must be why my wife treats me like toxic waste. (laughs) David Bissonette, if you know David. Noel Coward in 1956 said this, I've sometimes thought of marrying, and then I've thought again. A man is incomplete until he is married. After that, he is finished. Jaja Kabor. <laughs> Here's another one from Jaja Kabor. I'm an excellent housekeeper. Every time I get a divorce, I keep the house. <laughs> Hemet Joshi said this. After marriage, husband and wife become two sides of a coin. They just can't face each other, but they still stay together. Mae West, everyone's heard this one. Marriage is a great institution, but I'm not ready for an institution. And here's some, we don't know who said these things, but this is a great one. Marriage is a three-ring circus. Engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffering. (laughs) Ah, that's great. All right. Marriage is when a man and a woman become as one. The trouble starts when they try to decide which one. (laughs) Marriages are made in heaven, but so again are thunder and lightning. All right, now this is one to think about. If a man is alone in the forest and speaks, and no woman is around to hear him, is the man still wrong? Okay, good. (laughs) All right, love story. You know, it's amazing when you read the scriptures or you think about this whole God thing, the whole Bible thing, the whole Jesus thing, the whole story, how it really is a love story. And I was reading this morning, and I just decided I wasn't going to read it in here today. But if you've never read the book of, it's called Song of Solomon. And guys, it is one of, you know, there's people that say, oh, you got to be real careful what you let your kids read. Then don't let them read the Bible. If you cut your kids loose over in the Bible and they get in some of the Old Testament passages, there is some graphic, intimate stuff. I mean, people being slaughtered and... And the Song of Solomon, some very intimate stuff, talking about body parts and what they're doing. And I told the guy yesterday, I had this, there's this couple I've been talking to, and I have tried to not make any assumptions in dealing with people. And just kind of when you have a crowd, just say, you know what? If somebody says turn to Leviticus, maybe you don't know where Leviticus is. That's okay. You can find it. There's a table of contents. And I just, there's certain things I thought, well, no, everybody knows this. But this particular girl told me, that she had, she had grown up, not with church and all this stuff, but she had grown up knowing like that adultery was wrong. But no one had ever really told her that sex outside of marriage, as long as you weren't having sex with someone who was married and you weren't married, it was okay. And she couldn't figure out why people looked at her funny 
a housekeeper would come and she'd leave the, you know, a guy would leave the house and the housekeeper would look at her, maybe a Christian lady, like, what are you doing? And she'd think, well, what, you know, what do you care? I'm not doing anything wrong. We're not married. And so many times we take our Judeo-Christian or our Bible God background and we just think, well, everybody ought to know this stuff. They don't. And everybody doesn't believe the same thing you believe or know the same thing you know. And frankly, what reason do they have for even trying to do the same thing you're doing? And I told this girl and I told this couple, I said, you know, it's not that God is anti-sex. He invented this thing. And if you go read Song of Solomon and you see this description between this husband and wife and the intimacy they have and this relationship they have, it's unbelievable. And it's in the Bible and it is encouraged by God. He created us this way to express these emotions between a man and a woman who are husband and wife. And when you do it God's way, guys, it is an awesome thing. And when you don't do it God's way, it may be a fun thing, but it is not an awesome thing in the long run. It is very destructive and can be very damaging emotionally in a lot of ways. So in looking at these scriptures and looking at the Bible, and again, this Song of Solomon thing came up and I started thinking, you know, this is a picture not just of a man and a woman, but it's God trying to describe this intimacy that he wants with us as people. It's not that God wants us, you know, you stay out there and I'll be in this place. The whole thing of Christianity is not, in the Old Testament, God dwelt in a temple. He was in this place. And only one man one time a year could even approach this holy of holies place where God was. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says this veil in the temple that separated man from this holy of holies was rent from top to bottom. It was ripped and exposed. God wasn't there anymore. And what he said was, now I'm going to live in you. Now guys, it doesn't get much more personal or much more intimate than that, not to have God in a building, in a church building somewhere, but when the God of the universe says, look, I want a relationship with you, and when you decide to establish one with me, I'm going to come live inside of you all the time. I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be here anytime you want to talk or have a relationship with me and communicate with me. That is very personal. And I have seen this over and over again. A guy yesterday came by the office to talk about something. And it turned out we started talking about this God thing. And it's amazing to me how many people are searching for God. They have questions about God. They're looking for God. They don't know why their life is screwed up and is not working. And they don't know what to do about it. And if you'll just sit down with the few pieces they have and add some pieces to it and put it together, they go, oh my gosh, now I see it. Now I know why Jesus died for me or why he came or what this is all about. And it was just religious stuff, a piece here, a piece there before. And this guy yesterday, I mean, I'm talking about a big, strong, 30-something-year-old guy, sat there in my office. I explained this to him. He bowed his head. We prayed a simple prayer, and he asked God to come into his life. And I looked up, and he didn't look up. And all of a sudden, this big old guy starts to weep. You know why? Because he had entered into a personal, intimate relationship with the God of the universe, and it moved his heart. Sooner or later, guys, this is going to move your heart. Falling in love sooner or later moves you. It does something to you. And this whole Bible, this whole thing, if you read it from beginning to end, I met with another guy the other day, and he's not a Christian yet, but he's thinking through these things, and he said, you know, I had some time between jobs, and I sat down with the Bible, and I read it from cover to cover, like in a matter of weeks. And he said it was amazing to me to find out what was in there and what it said. And, and he was just all excited and discovered some things that he never knew. And today I want to go through some of these verses 
and show you just some highlighted things kind of from beginning to end, starting in Deuteronomy through the very end almost, and just give you some things that God says. And I'd hate to call these Valentine cards from God, but in a way, there are these little things that He says, man, here's what I think about you, and here's my purpose, and here's my desire. Deuteronomy 7. The Lord did not set His love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all the peoples, talking about Israel. But because the Lord loves you and because He would keep the oath which He swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Why did God do what He did for Israel? Because He loved them. And I talked to so many people who are saying, you know, and if you'll think about this, now if you want an answer to give to people who talk to you about world religion and all this stuff, Christianity is the only religion where it is God coming looking for man. Every other one is man looking for God. It's man trying to find God. Christianity is the only one where God literally comes down and says, you can't get to me. You'll never build the tower high enough. You'll never be good enough. I'm going to leave my heaven, take on this body, this flesh that I created you to be. I'm going to be God-man, man-God, and I'm going to come live where you live, be tempted to what you're tempted with without sin. I'm going to die on a cross, be buried and raised from the dead to prove to you that this love story is for real, that I really am after you, and I got a plan and a purpose in all of this. Jeremiah 31.3, and this is one of the most awesome. This could be a Valentine card. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And I don't have this in my notes, but there is a verse in the New Testament that says this, that it is His kindness, it is His gentleness that leads us to repentance, that leads us to change our mind. And you say, well, I don't believe all this stuff. And my mom and dad were screwed up and... This preacher ran off with so-and-so, and I'm not doing the God thing. I'm not going to church, you know, to heck with all this. I don't believe it. And God gently comes along through somebody else or some book or the Bible you pick up in a hotel somewhere, and he gently says, yeah, maybe those people are all screwed up, but I'm not. Why don't you think about this? And he gently, kindly woos you back to himself. And I've got a friend who describes this. He says it's like God romances us. It's like God woos us to Himself, and He draws us to Himself in exact this terminology. John 3.16 is probably one of the greatest. And see, I make the assumption everybody knows what this is. To a lot of people, John 3.16 is a sign held up at a baseball game behind the camera. If you've ever seen this verse and wondered what it was, here's what it says. For God so loved the world, He loved the world so much, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's what John 3.16 says. Now see, some of you are sitting there going, well, I memorized that in third grade, or when I was three years old. You know what? Not everybody did. And sometimes the things that we take for granted, and a lot of times these love verses, it's the same thing that happens in marriage. And I've been married 10 years, guys. I'm going to tell you what, the weirdest things happen to you and the enemy will attack you. There are times when you go to say something kind, like a compliment. <laughs> it's not that I say anything, it's that I go to say something. Or this is the weirdest deal. The thought, you know, you just out of nowhere. And I got three little girls and two of them that talk. And I tell these little girls that I love them. You know, just out of nowhere. And Victoria, out of nowhere, will be walking through the house and just say, Daddy? And I'll say, yes. And she'll say, I love you. And I say, I love you too, sweetheart. And she just keeps going. 
Now let me tell you something. Why does that little girl feel so safe telling me she loves me? Because she hears me tell her that I love her. Now one of the reasons you don't go around saying, God, I love you, is you don't know he loves you. And if you'll read this book and talk to somebody who does know that he loves them and figure out what this is about, you'll start hearing God whisper your name and say, hey, I sure do love you. And I died for you too. And I got a plan for you. And I want to have a relationship with you. And then all of a sudden you'll find yourself for no reason through the day going, hey God, I love you. You say, you can't do that. Maybe you can't. But one day somebody helped me understand this God loves me personally. Somebody died for me to prove it. And I pray that the day does come when you find yourself just saying, God, I just love you. I'm not here to ask for anything. Now, what is so sorry, what I was getting to about this marriage thing, is that I will have these thoughts. I'll be laying there in the bed next to Rebecca, and the thought will come, I sure do love you. And you know what the devil will say? Well, you can think it, just don't say it. Just don't say it. And I lay there in silence, and all of a sudden I realize something's happening, and he'll try to keep me quiet with my love. It's those times, guys, it's great that you think it or you feel it, but you've got to say it. I know fathers that will go on and on and on about their kids in front of everybody else, but they'll never say it to their own son, their own daughter. Don't be guilty of that. Sit them down, look them in the eyes, grab them by the ears and say, look, I don't say this a lot and I'm not very good at this because my daddy or my mommy never told me this, but I want to tell you something. I love you and I am proud to be your daddy. I'm proud to be your mother and you're a great kid. That instills confidence in kids. You say, well, nobody ever told me that. Then you get a relationship with a God who thinks that about you and hear it from him, then you'll have it to give to somebody. It makes a difference. Don't hesitate. You say, well, they did such and such to me. You know what? I've done a lot of things to God and he still keeps whispering my name and he still keeps telling me he loves me with an everlasting love. It doesn't go away. John 15, 16, you did not choose me this is Jesus speaking, God speaking here, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. This is changing in our culture a little bit, but basically men still propose to women. Not fast enough usually, but it still happens. <laughs> men propose to women and women respond. Or women sit around praying and waiting and wondering, what the heck is wrong with this man? You know, he wants sex, but he doesn't want to be married. He wants the benefits without the commitment. And we have these struggles and these communication things. But basically, the man proposes to the woman. And I don't want to take this too far, but God comes along and says, you know what? Will you marry me? I pick you. I pick you. I want to be in a relationship with you. It's not us going to God saying, I pick you. It's him every time coming up to us and saying, you know what? I pick you. Of all the people, I pick. I want you in my family. I want to have a relationship with you. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now listen to this one. This is in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. We'll start there. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? See, we think 
this God who loves us gave His Son to die for us, and because of that, we're going to be in heaven with Him. We go, well, I couldn't ask for anything else. Let me tell you something. God wants to give you more than heaven. And a lot of Christians settle for heaven alone. Now, I'm not saying it's not an awesome thing, but guys, you may have a little more time between here and heaven and have to have something going on to make it. And I know some people say, you know what? It's not that I want to die. I just don't want to live. And if heaven's so great, get me out of here. They have no joy, they have no peace, they have eternal life, but they don't have any abundant life. It's just religious stuff waiting for the train to come get them instead of living while they're here. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God wants to bless you. God wants to do things for you. God, I'm telling you, he's a father. The Bible describes him as a father. If my kids say, Daddy, can we do this or can we go there or I want this? You know, if it's within my power to do it, guys, and it's good for them and it's okay, I'm going to try to do it, aren't I? you got a God who's even infinitely more that way than I am or you are. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Now listen to this, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Is there anything that can happen to you that would separate you from this love that God has for you? What if you were in a war-torn country, or you found yourself literally naked without any clothes, or in danger, or going through problems or persecution? Would God stop loving you? He says no. Verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says there's nowhere you can go to get away from this love. Now, there is a term the Bible uses to describe what happens to people who claim to know God and leave God, and it is spiritual adultery. And I'm going to call it screwing around on God. And what we do is, it's like you as a wife, or you, let's say a husband. A husband is married to this woman, and she comes home some nights, and some nights she doesn't. And he says, well, sweetheart, where have you been? Oh, I've been out. He says, well, where have you been? Well, I've just been out. Well, why don't you come home at night? Well, I don't want to come home tonight. I found somebody else. Now, I still want to be married to you, but I found somebody else. I'll spend Saturday night and Sunday with you, but I got lots of other interests out here. There's too many men, too little time. And I'll be out here and I'll be back when I feel like it. And this husband stays at home. He doesn't divorce her. He waits at home. And he's there every night. And when she comes home, he's there. And when she leaves, he's there. You say, well, boy, that sounds pretty bad. And why are you putting the woman on that side and all that? Because the Bible describes, you know, it's usually the man, isn't it? The Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. And this bride that God has picked is unfaithful a lot of times. And we like living in the house with him. We like all the benefits. We like him loving us. We like him taking us back anytime. But we got our interests. We got our side stuff. We got places to go and things to do. And we want him to be faithful to us, but it's a double standard. And he gently and kindly says, you know what, no matter where you go, and there's a great story in the Old Testament like this in the book of Hosea, and I recommend you read it. This guy married a prostitute, and she'd go and come back, and he kept loving her, and he'd go find her and bring her home. I'm going to tell you what, it's nice to have a God that's there when you come home. 
can see I'm a screw up just like you. And I get out there and it crosses my mind. The devil says, you know what? You can't go home. You've crossed the line. You've done too much. You've gone too far. He won't take you back. And then that love, that everlasting love, that gentle, still, small voice in my heart says, nope, that's not true. Come on home. I'll take you back. And you go home, and there those arms are, and there that God is who says, you know what? Nothing you do, nothing anybody else does will ever separate you from this love I have for you. And I'll tell you what happens to you when you understand how much He loves you. You spend more time at home than you do out wandering around. It's not that you never wonder anymore, guys. It's just you say, you know what? Why would I betray this kind of love? Why would I abuse this kind of love? People say to me, well, this grace thing, this unconditional love thing, you could abuse that. You know what? You're exactly right, and a lot of Christians do. But the more you understand this kind of love and grace you can abuse, the less you abuse it because you realize how precious it is, how valuable it is, and you don't have a desire anymore to abuse it. All right, let me read you 1 John 3.16. Remember, John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 is pretty easy. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See, that's how you know God loves you, but you know how other people know you love them? The same way you lay your life down. You say, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go wherever I need to go. I'll hang in there as long as I need to hang in. And I'm not going to tell I shared this yesterday somewhere, and I'm not going to tell you this. This isn't about me, because I wouldn't be this way if it wasn't for God. But I got a friend right now who's about this close to killing himself. And he went to see his grandmother. When he was a kid, his parents died. One of his grandmothers raised him. She died. And the other grandmother really doesn't care about him. He goes over to see her, and she says, what do you need? And he says, well, grandmother, I need so much to get her hotel room or something somewhere to stay. He's been sleeping in his car for five nights. What do you need? She says, well, Grandma, I need this. She says, well, here. And she lives in a very nice neighborhood and has plenty of money. She says, well, here's $2. He says, well, Grandmother, you know, just keep your $2. But he keeps going back. You know why he goes back there? Because he's got nowhere else to go. And sometimes people go back to bad places, to bad situations, to battered situations, to drug, alcohol situations. You know why? Because they don't have anywhere else to go. And it's better to get negative attention than no attention at all. So he'll page me and I'll call him back. And you know what? There are days, it's at any time of the day or night, I know exactly who it is and what it's going to be about. But you kick into a mode where you realize this guy's got nothing to offer back, but God help me give, help me give. You know why? Because his life's at stake. And I'd rather get a page in the night and talk to him than get a call that he's dead. Now, can I keep every suicidal person on the planet alive? No. See, I had somebody there for me when I felt the same way. And I'm standing here today because somebody cared about me. And if we'll all do our part, and we'll all answer those calls, and we'll all get outside of ourselves and stop just loving me and my life and all I've got and start loving somebody else, and telling somebody else why your life is different and telling somebody else this love story, the world literally will change. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests. 
a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. This guy got a job yesterday. He comes by the office and takes a shower in the morning, still sleeping in his car, but he's going to make it. Now, is he going to make it because of me? Let me tell you something. I wouldn't give a damn about him if it wasn't for Jesus because I'd be a selfish, sorry, any old body else if somebody hadn't died for me and I didn't understand that you got to lay your life down. You will never know love till you start laying your life down and understand what it meant when Jesus laid his life down for you. There's a verse in 1 John 4, 8 that says this, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. There are very few things in the Bible that God is defined as, but one of the most clear is this, that God is love. Love is not a thing, it is a person. And until you know this person personally and intimately, you will never experience love. You may experience some physical love, some emotional love, even some mental love, but you'll never know real love and the deepest kind of love till you know this God and let Him live in and through you and make a difference. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talks sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us, richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.